0: Hi, welcome to The Audible, presented by AutoNation, America's largest and most recognized automotive retailer. Save on 100,000 vehicles right now at AutoNation.com. This is The Audible. I'm Kim Camper. He's John Congemi. And, John, this is kind of one of those times of the year where it's, uh, it's fun to get up in the morning, kind of look at the paper, see what's happened or see what's going to happen that day, and you never know who's going to go where. And the Dolphins have, uh, have become certainly not the players that they were last year. In, in free agency, but they've been active. And, John, it seems to me, I feel kind of like with this football team, they've been kind of nipping around the edges of free agency and not jumping in and making that big splash because I think the, I don't think the, the, the money that they've got to spend uh, really would allow for maybe one big splash and then a lot of drops after that.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right, Kim, only because of the situation they were in last year where they set an NFL record in spending almost uh, over $147 million in guaranteed money that the Dolphins uh, gave out and gave out, and it ended up turning out from a five-win season to a 10-win season. And now you're looking around, and you're, you're right, uh, Bo, around the fringes. You get a Jacoby Brissett. You know, you get an Adam Butler. Uh, but you, you get a, a Malcolm Brown. You, you get a lot of guys. Uh, that you know who they are, but they weren't names like the Dolphins received last year, like a Kyle Van Noy or, you know, a, a Shaq Lawson or Emmanuel Ogba. You know, there, there, were, there were big names out there last year, and the Dolphins were able to go out and turn those big names into big seasons. And And now they're looking around and seeing, really relying, I believe, on the draft heavily mm-hmm. to fulfill some of those key spots that the Dolphins still are, looking to improve in and, and that are going to improve the offense primarily, uh, you're, you're probably going to look for maybe a pass rusher on, on defense or maybe another addition at linebacker. Uh, but you're still going to have to improve that wide
0: receiver spot. And I think they're saving that for the draft. Yeah, no doubt about that. And, and you, you kind of look at, at some of the names out here, Isaiah Wilson, uh, old St. Thomas Aquinas putter, Michael Polardi coming, That's back, right. coming back to South Florida, Vince Beagle a uh, guy that we really had high hopes for last year towards Achilles and training camp. He's back. Uh, you talk about Jacoby Brissett, a guy to come in and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Jacoby Brissett coming from uh, coming in to, uh, to take up the backup role uh, that the uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick vacates as he leaves uh, to go to Washington and Keith Carter, the fullback tight end uh, from Cincinnati seeing where he fits in. So, you know, Interesting names, but none of them are really those those high impact guys. Couple questions: Isaiah Wilson. You know, this is one of those guys that he was a first round draft pick from the Texans. Uh, didn't play very much. Uh, when you read about him, kind of maturity problems. You know, a guy like you know had a tough time coming into the league. But we've seen that before with a number of guys. I remember, you know, I remember when the Honey Badger came in. That's right. Uh, he was a guy that came in from LSU. He had all line kind of baggage and. He gets hooked up with Patrick Peterson, or kinds of turns him into a pro, and he's still out there playing at a high level. So you know that's a to me, it's a low risk with Isaiah Wilson, and you may get a guy that uh, that that can be a you know a bookend uh, offensive tackle for you if he can get some maturity and get his head on straight. I
1: think it's a great gamble by the Miami Dolphins because he's cheap, and yeah. you know if, if he doesn't make it. If Isaiah Wilson doesn't make it with the Miami Dolphins, with the connection he has to Brian Flores going to the same high school and knowing the background, the connection he has with Solomon Kinley playing beside him for you know multiple seasons at the University of Georgia, knowing him off the field, knowing him on the field, what makes him tick. If it doesn't happen here, it's not going to happen anywhere for Isaiah Wilson. So this is a, good, this is a great landing spot for him personally to turn around not only his personal life, but his professional life on the field, and he's going to have a, a chance to play right away, and he's going to and he fits the mold of what the Miami Dolphins are looking for—that big burly offensive lineman that's going to create some running lanes for the running game and provide protection for Tua Tungavilola. So, it's a it's a great situation. It's a win win. He's cheap on the on the books, and he's a he's a great gamble because if he pans out, you're getting another first rounder
0: up on that offensive line. Yeah, Michael Polardi, the punter. A little surprised, you know, Matt Hawk, uh, you know, had, had some really good kicks last year, but he also was a little bit inconsistent. And I think his, I think his salary is up with that 2.2, 2.5 million, somewhere in that range, whereas a punter, you kind of start looking with a, you know, with a little bit of a crazy, yeah. wait a minute, is this guy worth it? Mm-hmm. And, and now you start kind of looking into the, the, you start, to me, you start nitpicking a little bit. Hey, a lot of kicks inside the 10, a lot of kicks down inside the five, but geez, he was a little inconsistent. You know, when we needed him a couple of times, kind of kind of threw some stinkers in there. So air goes, he's out and Michael Polardi is in.
1: Well, you're right, Bo. When you get over $2 million, you have a lot of commas and buts in your sentence. You know, you always are, it's glaring. You know, the, the ones that he didn't hit perfectly are more glaring than if he was making $900,000 or... $1.1 million, which is still a lot of money to kick in the National Football League. But you get a guy in Michael Polarty that comes home. You know, we both know him, watched him grow up with our family and our children at St. Thomas Aquinas High School. He goes on to big things at Tennessee. He's been around the National Football League, and he's a proven kicker. He's a proven pro. So you end up losing Matt Hawk, who I personally loved what he did for the Miami Dolphins. And he yep. goes to the Bills, which, which is troubling because now they have a, a really good punter uh, in Orchard Park, but you know, you're getting a good one in Polarity in South Florida.
0: Yeah, nice to see Vince Beagle coming back. As I said, I, I remember watching Vince Beagle uh, the previous year in, uh, in in New Orleans last preseason game, and I just watching this kind of going. Damn, who was that guy out there? We were in the end zone watching him. Do you remember, remember that? The- yeah. Oh, look at this guy, man. I mean, and then two days later. He's on the Dolphins, and it goes down with the injury, but really excited to see a a healthy Vince Beagle uh, step back into into his role. Well, hopefully he's uh,
1: completely healed from that torn Achilles in training camp last year, and I'm sure he is. And you love the motor. I think that's the biggest thing, Uh, the the joy he plays with, the enthusiasm he plays with, and it comes with production. You know, he started 10 of 15 games in 2019. You always saw 47, you know, kind of flashing around, you know, where is he? And now you pair him up with Van Ginkle, two guys from Wisconsin that know how to play the game. They're smart. You know, if it's your job to set the edge, set the edge. They'll do that. If it's your job to kind of go downhill and take two, they'll take two. So I I just think that you get smart, intelligent, productive football players. The more you can do, the more you can stock your roster with guys like Beagle and Van Ginkle, the better off you are as an organization.
0: Carter, the uh, I think it's Keithon. Is that how you pronounce his name, Keithon? I believe
1: so. I believe full so.
0: Fullback, tight end from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins. It seems like since uh, since Brian Flores and his group came in here, they've been looking for a fullback, looking for a fullback. You know, they're they're pretty good in the tight end position, and but but he can play both ways, kind of H back, fullback, tight end kind of thing. And 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 John, for a football team in the Miami Dolphins, that I would like to see one way or another, improve their consistency in the running game, um, a fullback may be, the, may be the ticket for it if he can be the guy that fills that, that role properly. Well, if you don't
1: draft Harris at number 18 yep. and you're in short yardage situations, now you have a quarterback in Jacoby Brissett that's been used in short yardage and goal line yep. by the Colts last year, and you have Carter, who not only contributes on special teams, but he's a big body. at 6'3", well over 235, 240 yeah. pounds, that can do those types of things. So you, you really have a multiple uh, – you fill multiple holes with one player because Grugier Hill's gone in free agency. You need another yeah. guy on special teams that can run and tackle. That's Carter. You know, he's done that throughout his career. He did it at Cincinnati. He can, he's going to do it again with the Miami Dolphins. So I, I like your thinking of short yardage goal line gives you another – Uh, gives you more in your playbook, more in your call sheet down there that you can use guys and really, you know, by formation and by substitution, put a little pressure on the defense.
0: Yeah. Uh, One guy, uh, Jacoby Brissett, we've touched on him a little bit. Um, Him coming in as a backup to uh, to Tua. And, and John, I I kind of looking around what the Dolphins are doing free agent-wise, not going out and getting – the receiver, you know, uh, the kid Jones from, uh, from Green Bay was on there, uh, seemed to be on there, and he got signed back, back by, by the Packers. Um, but by not getting these skilled players in free agency that are the next step up in quality of players, it leads me to believe that the Dolphins are kind of set with Tua, as they've said time and time again, and that the Deshaun Watson conversation to me um, has to me has been muted somewhat. Just looking at what they've done in free agency, had they gone out and got got T.Y. Hilton or a Juju Smith-Schuster or somebody like that, or gotten a, a you know a, a run a, a different running back or something, maybe you say, okay, they're they're getting some weapons in there. So if they do have to give up draft capital for a swap for Deshaun. We've got some skill players that he can take advantage of. I don't see that in this free agency period so far, which leads me to believe, as I said, that the Deshaun Watson deal may be losing steam in South
1: Florida. Yeah, and maybe the Dolphins have caught wind that Deshaun Watson has a destination, and it might not be Miami as their number one choice. So the Dolphins have to move on and improve their football team. How can they do that when – you're not the richest you know, team in the land for free agency. You, got, you have to go out and improve your football team on the fringes. And that's exactly what the Dolphins have done. When you take a look at all the positions that they've uh, put the magnifying glass on, and, and one of them was a backup quarterback, and I think they got a good one in Jacoby Brissett. This is a guy, it's a, it's a one-year, $7.5 million contract. He's a local guy from Dwyer High School. You've seen him play in the National Football League. He's a good backup. He can play or start for extended weeks. And that's what you had with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's going to be a different looking team without Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Uh, but I think Jacoby Brissett is going to be able to not only push Tua, but help Tua as well with his experience. He's been around some really good quarterbacks. Philip Rivers last year, he was with Luck for a year or two. So, And he was in New England with Tom Brady for a year, his rookie year. So you have a lot of good experience. You have a lot of good history with Brissett and and he, and he can also add Bow as we, I mentioned earlier, short yardage, goal line, he can come in and do some things. So you can put some packages in that stress out a defense. To your second point, I do agree with the wide receivers, uh, maybe more attention in the draft. I think wide receiver is probably one of the easiest positions to come into the National Football League and play, and yeah. be productive, and be really good at it. And I think we've seen that over the history, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in the National Football League. The way the game has changed, the way you can't contact guys, you get a lot of free releases, not a lot of holding and a lot more room without getting your head knocked off coming across the middle. So and I think wide receivers in high school, in college and now in the National Football League are being accustomed to knowing that they're not, they're not going to take that big shot. So they're, that, that early skill set is able to shine. Yeah. And I think you're going to see that in the draft, whether the Dolphins take Pitts, a tight end slash running back from Florida early or late, whether they take, uh, L- you know, uh, the kid from LSU, whether they take e- any receiver from Alabama, you're going to be able to find a starter and yeah. you're going to be able to find a starter in the second round. You know, the kid from Minnesota, there's there's uh, the other guy, Tony from Florida. There's tons of talent. At wide receivers, the Dolphins are going to be able to find skill receivers on the outside and in the slot if they do nothing in free agency. But I, I still think they may need one guy. You know, if it's one guy, because that that price tag is starting to come down at that position.
0: John, the, 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 there's a question. You know, the, the it's it's funny as you look through the NFL. It, it changes. It morphs. It it's got different uh, you know different looks to it and. One of the one of the things that changed has changed now is you don't draft a running back in the first round. You don't draft a running back in the first round because they're because they're 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 a four or five year they're a four or five year deal, and then, and then they burn out and you know and you don't do it. Um, but to me, you know, I, I I'm I I still kind of I've still got a little too much of that old school in me that says, man, it'd be nice to have that a premier running back, a number one guy, a legitimate number one guy, not three or four guys, you know, that you kind of piece together to see if we can squeeze out 1500 to 2000 yards rushing over the course of a, of a year. Um, I I just, you know, I I just towards the end, like I'm looking at 18 or that first pick in the second round and you're looking at Etienne and you're looking at the, the kid from, uh, uh, from from Alabama. Was it Najee Harris? You know, I mean? Harris. Yes. Yes. You're, you know, there's some guys that are going to be there probably. And boy, is this the year, John, that you think that you maybe go against what the norm has become? And you say, if that guy's there at 18, we snag him?
1: Absolutely. I I, I absolutely say unequivocally that you need, if he's there at 18, I think you grab him. He's that good. He's that type of running back. And he's that, Difference maker on your football team, if Saquon Barkley or whoever the the flavor of the month was, that is that elite over the yep. history of the National Football League. And I know it's changed, but those types of players haven't changed what they can do for your team. And I think the more athletes, the more uh, explosive players you can put around Tua to of iloa it only improves the quarterback position. And this is no knock on, on the players that are on the roster that could be added to the roster at running back. Those guys will be used and they will have roles, but the main role would be Naja Harris starting at running back and giving you a thousand yard yards plus, because that means play actions involved. That means to us being able to push the ball a little bit further down the field. And it means that you're playing keep away from other teams in the AFC.
0: The other thing, John, you know, you, you are starting to see these pictures of Tua working out. And he, he looks like he went from uh, he looked like he went from the all-state you know, all in Hawaii quarterback <laughs> to the incredible hunk in about yeah. three or four months. I mean his guns are his guns are massive now. And and you can tell, you know, here here's a guy that's he's a prideful guy. Um, he came in with a you know with a with a big name, with a big resume. Uh, came in with an injury, you know, situation in his background, but but and didn't have the year that that he wanted, and didn't have the year that a lot of a lot of Dolphin fans may have wanted. Um, but I think we I think we are seeing what he's all about. In hey, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what some other people wanted this year. I'm going to do everything in my power to be the type of quarterback you expected when you picked me with the fifth pick in the draft, uh, and that's what I'm going to be. You know that's his mentality. I mean, yeah. he,
1: as, as much as you want to block out the outside noise, you hear it, especially at quarterback, yeah. because that's who they're talking about. They're, they're always talking about the quarterback position. And I think with this year of offseason, uh, Tua's going to not only improve his footwork, not only improve his strength, his durability – his sudden quickness in and out of the pocket, doing all those little things, his arm strength, being able to get the football down the field, just with reps. Bo, that happens with reps, just like pitchers when you're coming back from Tommy John or you're coming back from a major injury. It takes a while to feel yourself. And I'm sure there were po- points in the season to have felt a little bit better, but he never felt completely 100% like his old self. Now, And it was a major injury, that hip injury, coupled by – Two major injuries with his ankle, so you know this is a guy that's been beat up for a few seasons, and he's just now realizing that he's probably going to be as healthy
0: this year as he was coming into his freshman year at Alabama. No doubt, no doubt. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see him coming back. I have a lot of I have a lot of faith in him. I have a lot of hope in, in him. And one of the things, a couple of things we didn't talk about, John, real quickly: Shaq uh, Lawson. Uh, Make the trade with him for ben- Benadric uh, McKinney, linebacker for linebacker. Uh, you know it's funny. It's it's we're we're seeing we're seeing out of this staff what we've seen out of New England, and, and and I'll reference it with with Kyle Van Noy. You signed Kyle Van Noy last year. You make him a captain. Plays pretty well for you, but all of a sudden you you find someone else that you think and eh, maybe they're a little bit better than him. Let's move on and, and you do it. Uh, Devon Devon will Allow him to go to New England, and that—that that always scares me when someone from Miami goes yeah. to New England and gets up there with Bill Belichick. I hate to, you know, I, I remember watching Rob Nickovich for years and years, just yep. beat the crap out of us, and go, why the hell did we ever get rid of that guy? <laughs> why, did we of why the hell did we give it to those guys up there? Well, Devon Gottschall, who's one of my favorite players, goes up there. Uh, Gruje Hill, he goes out. Fitz is out. So a lot, a lot of changes being made, and it's going to be an inter- interesting look. Uh, as we go into training camp this season, John. Well, you're right. I think Coach Flores has taken a page uh, from Bill
1: Belichick and and knowing wh- maybe when the the elder player or that season, that veteran player has kind of hit his peak and maybe starting to slide a little bit. Not that Kyle Van Noy was, because I thought he was very productive and played in multiple positions, but the price tag was too much. That's I think that was the trigger for the Miami Dolphins. So you lose Van Noy, you lose, lose Gruje Hill. You lose, as you mentioned, Shaq Lawson. You lose Fitzi at quarterback, but you're kind of replacing him with, you know, McKinney from the Texans. He he's a big linebacker that can really play, probably play really well and fit really well next to Jerome Baker. Adam Butler, former New England Patriots defensive tackle. You get him and you add him to Wilkins and Davis and Sealer. Now you're kind of picking up the pieces that you lose with Devon Gotchow. And I love Devon, the what he gave for the Dolphins, but it was a, a t- untimely injury for him. But He ended up getting paid two years, $16 million, $9 million guaranteed from New England. But what the Dolphins are doing is they're kind of strategically filling in spots with maybe a little bit younger, a little bit cheaper, and going forward knowing that they're still building this core of a
0: football team. And I think what we're seeing is we're seeing what these guys learned from being around Bill Belichick. And one thing I always thought about Bill Belichick, much like Wayne Hyzenga, is – they both, they both, they both knew when to buy, but more importantly, they knew when to sell. Right. They both knew. You no, know, Wayne knew when to get rid of his businesses at <laughs> the
1: highest.
0: Bill Belichick knew when to get rid of players just when they were starting to fall off the cliff a little bit. You get your last little bit out of them, and then get rid of them and move on. So I think you're seeing a little bit of that pattern. Time now for our sit down amplified. By Hard Rock Hotel, joining us now from NBC Six in Miami, Ruthie Polinsky. Ruthie, uh, thanks for taking some time out to join us here on the Audible. Kimbo Camper and John Kajemi with you.
2: Thank you so much for having me, guys.
0: Well, it's, it's great to have you. Talk to us a little bit about your experience here and uh, uh, you know, getting in, uh, joining up with uh, NBC Six and and covering the Dolphins and the Heat and the Marlins and soccer and everything that's going on in South Florida. How has that been for you?
2: Yeah, it's been wild. I just celebrated my one year anniversary of being at NBC6, which also happens to be the one year of basically the world shutting down. So my first week on the job um, at NBC6, and actually my second day on the air, I was covering my first heat game. And that was the game that the NBA shut down. So it was my second day on the air at NBC6. And I got a phone call in the middle of the game as I'm watching kind of everything that's happening with the jazz game. And Um, they're like, Hey, you're the lead at 11, (laughs) get ready. Like, so it's been a very interesting year. And then about a week later I was kind of kicked out of the building and I started anchoring from home and doing a lot of things. Um, you know, working from home, like the most, the majority of America. Um, and then of course covering teams was so different and obviously not the experience that I expected. You know, I had a flight booked to Vegas to cover the draft, um, which obviously fell through of course. And, um, and so everything just kind of was a very different transition than I had planned for. And I was so excited about, I obviously, um, I came from Rhode Island, so I covered the Patriots for three seasons. Um, so there was a lot of carryover in terms of personnel and coaching staffs and things like that. So I was really excited to, you know, kind of establish myself here and reintroduce myself to a lot of familiar faces, which obviously all happened through Zoom. So um, just a really different kind of experience to start a new job in a really big market where the teams are really fun to follow. Um, we obviously had a lot of fun with all of our local teams this year in terms of their winning, um, which was just a blast to cover. Um, and, you know, it, it, we got settled in, but hopefully we're kind of near the end of this thing and, um, you know, we'll get back into locker rooms and press conferences and those kinds of things. Yeah.
0: yeah this is a, it was a strange year for all of us uh, covering this team. Uh, you don't, you know, I, I, it's the first time I've gone through a season where I haven't met any new coaches. I haven't met any new players, haven't had any dialogue with them other than Zoom calls and those types of things. So that's made it different, uh, but quite different for you coming down here for your first year covering the, the South Florida sports scene, in particular with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, what did you see about the Dolphins last year? What did you like? What would you like to see them do as we're in this free agent phase heading towards uh, the draft coming up in, uh, at the end of April, beginning of May?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was so fun to cover this team, um, especially because I was coming from New England. Um, and then to cover this Brian Flores-led team, there were so many similarities, um, but a lot of differences that I really enjoyed watching and following. Um, I think what Brian Flores is doing here and what I have really loved seeing is that he's taking a lot of the things that worked in New England, because why wouldn't you, um, but he's also putting his own kind of personal touch on things and, and making it really enjoyable. And he's such a player's coach. And you can see the way that these guys rally around him and play for him. Um, and that's kind of what's been really fun for me to watch Brian Flores be a head coach. Um, and I remember covering, you know, the two meetings with New England, my last year in New England against the Dolphins. And of course, there was that regular season finale where the Dolphins had nothing to lose and they go and beat New England. Um, and or nothing to gain or lose and uh they go and beat new england and kind of mess up the patriots playoff situation um and that was a really impressive sign for me saying this is he's doing something down there um and then little did i know a couple months later i'd be here covering him so um you know that's the way brian flores is coaching um has been just a blast to watch and i I, and what i love so much is just kind of the way that his relationship with the players and the team Um, and then, yeah, I, I guess kind of moving forward and looking at free agency in the draft, um, they gotta make the playoffs, right? if they if this is kind of the the next step, um they were so close this year, and you know, maybe any other year they would have made the playoffs. ten wins, double your win total and in, in two years is is an amazing accomplishment. Um, but you definitely want to see Tua take that next step if if he is, you know, this franchise quarterback. and if they do end up going, get Deshaun Watson, then I think that this is a Super Bowl team. This is going to be a team that's in the conversation for a Super Bowl. Um, And so I'm really excited to see kind of how it all plays out with free agency and the draft, so many op- so many options, so many opportunities to get really good players here and who doesn't want to be in Miami, right? So um, especially with the trajectory of this team. So to take that next step, if it's too, I think a realistic expectation is you want to see this team make the playoffs and win a game or two. And if you have Deshaun Watson, I think this is a Super Bowl team.
1: Yeah, and, and that's been the talk of the offseason, Ruthie, really what the quarterback position is going to look like and what the positions around the quarterback are going to look like. Are you surprised so far in, in free agency that the Dolphins haven't settled on a wide receiver or targeted a wide receiver, or is it maybe uh, an afterthought thinking that in the draft they probably have comparable players that could step in and play right away at a lesser cost, so they are maybe waiting for that position until the draft?
2: Yeah, I'm thinking that there's probably going to be a move, you know, there's still, as we're taping this, there are still some pretty good wide receivers out there on the market, you know, Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, those guys are still kind of out there dangling. Um, So it would be fun to see a free agent come to Miami. But I think it's, I I think it's almost smart because we're comparing the Dolphins, I think a lot of what's going on right now and kind of their quiet approach to the Patriots who are doing the exact opposite. Um, So, you know, I think, their needs will be addressed, whether it be in free agency in terms of a wide receiver. And then, you know, if they do keep their draft stock, um, if they don't trade it away, um, they have a lot of opportunities to get some really um, amazing players there in the draft with pick number three and pick number 18. And even if they do trade down, you know that there's still going to be a ton of players there available to them. Um, It would be really fun to see Devontae Smith here, especially if two is here. I would love to see Najee Harris also here. We can call it, you know, the Miami roll, t- roll Tide, the you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I think there's a lot of opportunities still, and I think they might be playing that's really smart because they don't have a ton of money to play with right now. So um, I think they're playing it really smart, but I also wouldn't be surprised to see if we see a, a big-name receiver come here in free agency as well.
1: Yeah, you're right about the Patriots. They may shatter the Dolphins' record that they set last offseason around $147 million. <laughs> uh, Bill doesn't like losing, so you can tell that he's out – trying to spend some money and trying to improve in the offseason. I wanted to ask you a question uh, personally about your job. You know, Bo and I talked about this a lot. What was the hardest part of our job trying to get close to the players that you really have no contact with? You're covering uh, all sports in South Florida. What was the toughest part of your job uh, during this uh, trying time?
2: I guess kind of the biggest challenge has been because everything's so readily available to us on zoom trying to balance it all and make sure that i'm present kind of in every team um especially when i'm not able to get there in person and and kind of make relationships in person so i tried to be on brian flores zoom call at 8 45 every morning and if that meant you know i was working until you know 11:30 doing the news that's what i was have that's what i would do because it was just so important for me to kind of establish myself in this market um, and you know, with the heat being so good, and the heat in the NBA Finals, um, you know, I wanted to establish myself there as well. I think what benefited me a lot in terms of the Dolphins specifically was that there was so much carryover. You know, I knew Ted Care as well, I knew Kyle Van Noy well, Alandon um, Roberts as well, and I think um, you know, I had relationships with really good relationships with the PR team in, in New England, and I think they were able to kind of give Flo a heads up that I was heading here. So I felt like I did an okay job, kind of making a name for myself, but. Um, to, to do it all through zoom is a challenge and, um, you know, it's so much more fun and so much easier to get to know people in person. And that's kind of been the biggest challenge and just balancing it with all the teams, the Marlins in the playoffs, you know, enter Miami's inaugural season, um, the Panthers I'm a big hockey fans. So I wanted to make sure I was getting to know those guys. So it was just kind of balancing it all because it was just all so readily available to me.
0: Ruthie, one of the things we're watching, they are seeing a lot of change in society and we're seeing a lot of change in sports and, and all those types of things. And, and, and I think they're for the better. Uh, inclusion is good and, and it's something that everyone's working on right now in our society, but especially in sports, in particular in football. I think they've added two new two, move, two new female referees, two, two new female, female officials uh, to the staff. You've got a couple women coaches now that are full-time coaches in the National Football League with still some more that are kind of Working their way up, going through internships and all types of things, and, and and even looking forward, I know you look at Amy Trask and and some of these other women that are that are kind of on the verge of possibly being general managers in the National Football League. So the women's inclusion into sports, and in particular in the National Football League, certainly has to be something that, as a woman, you look forward, look to, look to, and say, a It's about time. And B, it's nice to have these opportunities for all women that want to enter the sports arena, uh, from no matter what what way they want to do it, whether it's as a as an official, as a as a, as an executive, you know, as someone that's covering covering teams, as someone that's coaching. Uh, big change in the NFL.
2: Yeah, it's been so much fun to watch. Um, I also, who comes to mind is Sarah Fuller, who kicked mm-hmm. a field goal in a college football game or had a kickoff, or I, I can't remember the exact details, but you know, it's oh, to have a female playing football in division one college football. I, there were so many amazing things that happened for women in this game this year. And um, you know, I've always felt really welcome in locker rooms and I've always had a really good experience covering teams. So it's so good to see women in front offices um, on the field. Um, if they're officiating, you know, in the, and in, um, you know, with Ann Nolan getting the job with the Miami Dolphins, you know, who I'm so familiar with from new England. There are so many women that are really establishing themselves um, with it for a wide audience to see, you know, no one's, no one's hiding, you know, and and what's awesome is that it's being celebrated also. And we're seeing that um, kind of through social media and through television and just these women are getting so much attention, which is great for young women and girls to kind of see and look up to and say, Hey, I I can't, maybe I can't play in the NFL, but I can have a role if I love that game. Um, and so that's, what's been really, really amazing and fun to watch, especially this year. And you're right. It really did feel like this year, there were so many, um, ceilings shattered, you know, for, for lack of a better term. Um, and of course we saw that, you know, in terms of executive with Kim Ang here in Miami, um, with the Marlins. And I think that's really going to set the stage as well, because, you know, it takes one team to give someone that opportunity. And, and once they do, you know, everyone else is saying, well, why aren't we doing that?
1: I, I just wanted to ask you, Ruthie, you know, looking at the draft, if you could put on your, your, uh, the goggles, uh, in April and, and we're not quite there yet, Number three and number 18, I, we've been saying wide receiver running back. And we've been saying either Alabama or LSU or Florida uh, <laughs> throw in the tight end pits, you know, because he's one of those guys that could change a game. And and I've kind of settled myself on on running back at 18. And I'm not so sure what your thoughts are on that. But that that's even even though what's happened in free agency, um, you know, you you acquire Brown from the Rams and you get some depth there. But I'm talking about a front line starting running back, bona fide from day one. That's what I'm looking at at 18.
2: The image that keeps playing over and over in my head um, since the college football playoff is Najee Harris hurtling a man. And I'm just sitting there like, why wouldn't you take him? Um, And the Dolphins got to coach him and get to know him in the senior bowl. And I think that they were really impressed by him. And that's obviously something that's really encouraging. But I like taking a running back at 18 a lot. I think that that's somewhere where you know, you saw rookie running backs have a really big impact on teams last year. And that's something that you can see and say, all right, maybe there are some options in free agency, but you're also kind of sitting there maybe hoping that they learned their lesson a little bit when it comes to jo- the Jordan Howard situation and how that didn't really play out. And you spend money, you know, to be able to go get a young player with a lot of ceiling available to him. Um, that's really exciting to me. And, and Najee Harris, that, that image of him hurdling another college division one football player It just stands out in my mind so um i would love to see that as well there um they, they definitely need some help at that position um you know even though they did end up signing brown um i think that that's a position where you want to see a rookie who's ready for the nfl and can make an immediate impact as your number one back
0: ruthie we appreciate uh, taking some time out to join us on the audible and i got to tell you you're rhode island girl my all my family is from uh, my mother's side of my family is all from Woonsocket, Rhode Island. So no way, the Rocketeers. Yeah, that's it. I've got, roots <laughs> in, I've got roots in Rhode Island, Cumberland Farms. I remember my my folks. That's all they talked about was Cumberland Farms back back there. So
2: oh, I love that. I yeah, I spent three years in Rhode Island. Before that, I spent two years in Wichita Falls, Texas. I grew up grew up in St. Louis. Went to Michigan. Been um, all over and then has the, been all over the place. But Rhode Island has a very special place in my heart. And those three years getting to cover the Patriots, I went to two Super Bowls. It was, it was a dream.
0: Well, we're glad you're down here in South Florida now. And me uh, too. To see some of that New England luck to the Dolphins here this year. <laughs> That's the plan. All right. Thanks, free, guys. Stay, Thanks, Ruthie. John, we've talked a lot about free agency. We've talked about quarterbacks. We've talked about uh, a lot of other things that were going on and, and what the Dolphins may do or what we'd like them to do. Uh some one of the other some of the other changes have been in the coaching staff. Um, you know, Danny Crossman, uh, a, a guy that's done a lot of good things, and look at some of the stuff he's done for this football team, really creative on the special team side and really done a good job there. he gets he gets elevated to the assistant uh, head coaching position. Uh, it's nice to see um, uh, Flo give you know give a guy that's done a really good job, put him in a really nice position here for the Miami Dolphins as well as moving forward in his career, whether it's here or somewhere else.
1: Well, rewarding people that have been productive. It happens on the field and it should happen within your coaching staff. And I think that's what Brian Flores did with Danny Crossman. You know, he's been so uh imaginative with the way the Dolphins have set up their special teams and always keeping uh the opposing coach, uh that coordinator on his toes because of the many fakes and the many uh different formations you're gonna see out of Danny Crossman. So uh, great on Danny Crossman, a former teammate of mine in college at Pitt for a year. Uh, I'm so happy for him because he worked hard and he, he deserved uh, that title added next to his name.
0: Yeah, good stuff there. And then you've got this situation, which you know, they, they've had a chance to run through it a little bit, get a little bit of a, of a, of a taste in, in battle uh, with the offensive coordinator situation with Eric Studsville and, and George Gottsie uh, being co offensive coordinators, which I don't know that I've ever seen before in the national football league. I know I remember during my career it was it was we had three offensive coordinators. Don Shula, Don uh, Shula, Don Sandusky. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say
1: Coach Shula three
0: times and then mention the other guys. No, well, no, let me put it this way. During the week it was Coach Shula, Coach Shula, Coach Shula. <laughs> On Sundays it was it was Shula, John Sandusky. And <laughs> Was not, not, not for nothing. But he was used to get a little tongue-tied sometimes on game day because he was so. He was half the time he was bitching at an official at the same time <laughs> while he's trying to figure out what he's call, call. trying to call a play. Usually, Strock would just say, "Oh, just run this and throw it in." So, <laughs> <laughs> but they were tutored well by Don Shula going in. But that being said, um, the, the the Dolphins have had a chance to run this, have like a a, a, a get- if you will, a, a dress rehearsal with those guys during the Senior Bowl. To see, because the big question, the big question, the first question everyone gets: what happens when it's, what happens when it's third and two? You're on the four yard line. You're down by three. You need a touchdown. Who calls the play? Yeah, isn't that, isn't that the question that everyone? gets? That First,
1: you're exactly right, Bo, and and that's really uh, going to be going in. You have to have a plan, yeah. and I think that Coach Flores is very good at uh, kind of delegating who's responsible for what, and I think that'll be ironed out. But you still have to go through. You hope maybe one or two or three preseason games, yep. if you have any this year. You'd like to have some type of OTA. I'm not sure it's going to be on the field, but you'd like to go through some type of dress rehearsal in training camp, as many reps as you can get. You know, you talk to players about getting reps in a new offense, a new scheme with new te- you know terminology. It's going to be the same for Gottsie and Studisville. how they coordinate with each other, who's responsible for what and who ultimately is going to call plays. I think that'll be ironed out well before we get to September. And I I think it'll, you know, a couple dress rehearsals more. I know they, they auditioned at the senior bowl, but you want to do it with your guys, with your terminology, with, with uh, your expectation and see how, how it works out. But that'll be something that should be planned out and mapped out really well by coach
0: Flores. Yeah. I I think it, it, I think you're right, John. If, if indeed there are preseason games, whether it's one, two, three, or, or whatever, it'd be nice to have at least, at least one, preferably two at least to where you can have these guys really do the run through. And, and like you said, with your terminology, your people. So not only that, not only that you as a staff feel comfortable with it, but the players that are getting the message, right. feel comfortable with the way it's being delivered. And, and, you know, I mean, I, John, you're, you're a former quarterback. You're sitting in there in a All of a sudden, one play you got one guy coming in one ear, and then the next play someone coming in the other ear. I don't know how they, you know, that's got to be, that's got to be seamless on game day, and they've got to figure out a way to make that work. Yeah, there has to be one voice on
1: game day, uh, no matter how you plan it and how you map it out during the week, whether it's a collaborative effort during the week, but that one voice has to be one voice on Sunday, and that's who I would want to go to if I was a quarterback. I'm not, I'm going to talk to one person, and I, I want that, you know, very defined and very clear going into game day yeah
0: it's uh it's going to be uh you know still got some time left in free agency got the draft coming up but uh, uh john I'm I'm, I'm 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 as excited at this point this year as i was last year because a we had improvement in the football team you saw big strides the pre the first year under brian flores in last year you know you got the you were able to go out and get to or you're able to get to, you know use those the draft capital, you were going to be able to use the free agency, uh, the free agent money that you gathered during the offseason and, and saw that. And this is a little bit different this year, but I'm excited about this year being maybe a little more closer to normal, maybe some of the on field work during the offseason to kind of get you where you want to be. And, and then, a, a, and, and then somewhat more of a traditional training camp with a preseason game or two in there. Um, I'm really excited about what's left of free agency, what's coming up in the draft and really what this football team is going to be like with what we've seen over the last couple of years improvement-wise.
1: Well, as Dolphin fans, we should be excited. You know, this is a team that two years ago no one wanted this roster. Now all of a sudden we're, it's playoffs or bust. You know, it, it's, it's, getting, it's not only getting there, but it's winning when, once you get there. That's the expectation, and you have to give credit to the way this team has been built in just two short years under one th- leadership thought. And that's, you know, improving every day, getting better every day and having some accountability every day. And I I think that's where you get to be a uh, organization that expects to win when you when you set the foundation the proper way and you build the proper way. I think that's when you as a fan, your expectations are to win and, and win big and not only just to get to the playoffs, but move through the playoffs. And I think that's where Miami Dolphin fans should be, you know. They, they fought hard to get where they were and now they have the benefit of the draft and, and hopefully the draft is is as successful as last year's free agency and
0: draft uh,
1: improved the team
0: well so far so good in the offseason and we'll see what the rest of it uh, holds for us as we as we move on John pleasure being with you today I want to thank Ruthie Polinsky for joining us on the program Logan McCall for uh, getting us on the air and uh, and keeping us going here but uh, we'll speak to you again next time Johnny boy you got it Kim enjoyed right. it. Let me remind you that the Audible is presented by AutoNation, America's largest and most recognized automotive retailer. You can save on 100,000 vehicles right now at AutoNation.com. Stay safe, and we'll speak to you next time on the Auto.